Yeah, so um, it started as a kid for me. Uh, my uncle, uh, he was a breeder uh, and trainer of German Shepherds. Um, so that's where the passion really started with dogs with me. Um, I've always had a bond and a connection with them um, since I was little, little. Um, I could pretty much get a dog to do whatever I want to do. Um, so that's where it started with me. Um, now, my wife, um, and she, she'll be able to tell you more about, you know, because she was more part of the, about the breeding aspect, um, what her family did. So growing up, we always, my mom and my grandma, they bred German Shepherds. They bred Labradors. They were always usually working breeds. Um, but what I got into, my the main thing that made me want to get into working dogs was uh, the sheriff's department back home. I'm from a town in San Diego. It's called Alpine. Um, they would train in my dad's tow yard. So they would hide all the narcotics and stuff in all the cars. And I even got in trouble once for videotaping that from my bedroom window. Because at the time I was staying with my dad. My parents had gotten divorced. But anyway, so I would love watching them work, just seeing seeing a dog word so yeah. yeah ever since for us um you know um her her parent or her family in imported the same thing as mine um and a lot of the things that we were seeing uh, go down with the german shepherds and the um uh, inbreeding line breeding things that went down um show lines show lines coming into working dog lines and just the the damage that this done to the German Shepherd, uh, whenever we saw the Dutch Shepherds, um, we instantly fell in love. They got the same look as a German Shepherd um, instantly. I mean, I picked my first Dutch Shepherd up for 350 bucks from a lady that couldn't, said that the dog couldn't do anything. <laughs> but uh, 350 bucks later, paper dog and everything, one of the best dogs I've, I've ever owned. Um, when we bought him, um, he had a lot of issues, uh, a lot of aggression issues. They kept him in a kennel for nine months next to bird dogs and beagles. So he had a lot of pent-up aggression, never got to go outside the kennel. So I uh, had some rehabilitation to do with it. And uh, during that process of rehabilitation, me and my wife both saw how smart, much more smarter than the German Shepherds were. And um, that, that, that's one of the things that we kept continually talking about is, you know, ju just the overall demeanor and the whole personalities of Dutch Shepherds versus the German Shepherds um, is night and day. I mean, night and day. They've just got so much more personality and more, much more eagerness to work for you. Um, and again, it goes down to genetics and the lineages that we bought as well. So not all lineages are the same. That's one thing I can say. I've seen uh, I've seen a few Dutch shepherds that have come through that, yeah, they they, they were meant to they, they were bred for exactly what they were meant to do, and they should not have been placed in a in a family environment. Right. Even uh, at that. Mm -hmm. But um, you know, and again with uh, German shepherds, Doberman pinchers, pit bulls. I mean, name it. Anything that's got high drive, you've got issues. Mm -hmm. You just the issues in a timely manner before it gets to a problem and not like dangerous issues always like more managing knowing how to manage the breed that you're committed to for the next 10 to 16 20 years sometimes right 
knowing that responsibility, like it's not easy for us to manage all these dogs, you know, but we have to, they have to be safe around our children. We have five kids. We got two that are still home that are young in elementary school. So they help handle the dogs though. That's the thing. The moms, the sires, all of them, they all have to be okay and healthy to be here. You know, we won't have, we do, can't. Mm-hmm. We and so all of our dogs have to be sane. They have to be worked. They have to stay mentally okay, um, physically exercised. Um, diet goes. I mean, there's a, every, there's so many factors that go into it. That I, I and I and we try to we we even offer a puppy class when people pick up the puppies. That way we can try to jam in as much information as we can and cover puppy foundation so that when they leave with that dog, they have some bit of confidence okay i can do this you know we also we talk to their trainers we make sure that they have a trainer or that they line it out mm-hmm. we just have our contract to ensure that that happens because if i haven't seen a dog since it was eight weeks old and you call me and it's three and a half years and you're having problems and tell me you've never took it to training ever and never socialized it but you took it to a dog park and it got into a fight with another dog well yeah <laughs> there's you know i do three years later so started doing this at the beginning that way we, we try not to be in those problems none of those issues you know yeah. we're available on facetime for our clients for the life of the dog we offer training help we'll refer them to traders in their area because a lot of our clients are out of state you know they can't just come to us mm-hmm. or do the training ourselves you know we know the genetics we know we know what we're dealing with. We can say, okay, well, this one came from Outlaw. We know where that came from. Or Bree has this quirk, you know, and, and they do. They have mannerisms and characteristics just like humans. Not all are the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a big part about the Dutchess is their personalities, you know. Um, and that, that's another thing when it comes to breeding these dogs. And, um, you know, a lot of the times the standards that, you know, AKC, SCI, I mean, all these different
That's where you get it. Yeah, and that's where these these dogs will get a bad rap. That's where they'll start putting this breed on the list too. You know, I'm sure home insurances have or might be. You know, the Malinois I think I've heard has been put on the list as long just like the German Shepherd. And it's not fair to the dogs, mm-hmm. you know, the owners. And that's one thing that we're trying to keep from as breeders is making sure that the people that are getting these dogs fully understand the capabilities of the dogs, what the dog's purpose is, and how it's going to function in their life. Mm-hmm. And not, not a lot of breeders take the time to do that. Um, you know, with us, you don't call us up and say, hey, I want to, you know, stripe a dog that, you know, is going to be safe around my kids. We don't pick for colors. We don't pick how they look it all boils down to their personalities it boils down to their their traits that they're that they're uh showing as a, as a puppy we do aptitude testing with our dogs um that way we match them perfect like yep. as best as we can we don't you know can't do perfect but um i believe it was i want to say 1898 that's in the netherlands and in holland that's where they originated from um they were sheepdogs, just like German Shepherds. They were bred to protect a flock or uh, to herd. They were herders. They're longer-haired, and I don't sure if you've seen the pictures yet, but there's short hairs, there's long hairs, and there's wired hairs. Yep. It is cold there, and the places that they originated from, they needed the hair, where here we breed them down and do more short hairs. Not many people want the long hair, you know? Mm-hmm. But that's what they were meant meant for. Then the Dutch police start using them as police dogs. They they found out that they're highly focused, their energy levels that high drive for the yeah. The same things that they use for the herding can be used for finding drugs and criminals, you know. So that, that's one of the things like with the uh, you know, sheep dogs and the Allen and Shepherds and, you know, all the different great Pyrenees and all the other different dogs, you know, they've got to be independent. Um, you know, that, that's one of the things, but with the Dutch Shepherds, they were very independent, active, watchful, alert, always reliable, loyal. Um, and that, that's one of the traits that you look for in a working dog. And what went into the the modern Dutch Shepherd? Did they have to recreate and use different breeds to, to, to make it what it is today? Yes. Uh, and, a lot, and some people may not say that. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. And- they were almost completely extinct. They used the Malinois. I know they've used some German Shepherd, but mainly they targeted the Malinois because it was really night and day from a trainer and breeder's standpoint. They're almost the same dogs. Right. You know? One's got stripes, another dog. And that's why they they still breed the KMDP, which are usually, uh, you know, well, you would think usually 50%, 50-50 a Mal Dutch, but sometimes there's some German Shepherd, there's some Doberman, there's some other stuff that they've used here and there. Um, not that they're bad dogs in any way, they're just... Yeah, I mean, and again, you know, I mean, we're coming from a working standpoint, I mean, it makes sense why they bred the dogs uh, to what they did. You know, I mean, they're trying to get those workable capabilities out of it. Yeah, formula. Yeah, a lot of people get these pure, purebred dogs misconstrued big time because, I mean, they had to come up with something to make that purebred dog, quote unquote. And, uh, you know, and again, you know, if you're looking for working traits, you know, you look for the German Shepherds, you look for the Doberman Pinschers, you look for these lines, these certain traits in them. You know, now the DNA has come out, you know, and it's been out for, you know, a while now. 
they're starting to get their uh, DNA banks up. So we're really, really looking forward to seeing that. We've gotten a couple of done of them already, but um, these new ones that we just imported in, we're going to get them done and uh, get them all checked out and health health issues and things like that. The ones we're breeding now, these are the FCI lines. We started out with K with P lines. The FCI is the purest form of Dutch Shepherd that exists. It's probably estimated by now probably 2,000 registered FCIs worldwide and probably 200 in the U.S. There was seven long-haired, and I think three of them lived in California. Wow. But, um, but they're the purest form. Like when they when we do uh, our DNA testing, all of ours, even our KMVP, have all tested 100% Dutch. We use Enbark. Um, so far, it's been the best, I think. I've seen other people's wisdom results and stuff it's just not the same plus i can trace relatives this way you know if there's matches out there in other countries because we import ours mm-hmm. we get mania so they have relatives in holland somewhere every dutch does which it's a dutch you know. there, there is purer forms than others night and day sometimes it's night and day sometimes and that's that's god's honest truth I, I've seen more focus in the FCIs, at least our lineages, our bloodlines, than I have in um, our KMDP lines. Not that they're one's better than the other. Um, Kairos, he was KMDP. He would work, that dog would work literally 24 hours let him. We had him on a track one time for eight or nine hours. He would not stop till we stopped. We tracked deer, we run a deer tracking service in the fall. So he, he was able to uh, Arisa and blood trail. He was excellent on the track. But his calm down is not the same as his yes, FCIs. Yes. Yeah, it's like a shut off or a calm down. Like like when you build them up to, for a bite, and then they, they get to bite, and then you call them off, you out your dog. These dogs, you can out them, and they're good. Mm-hmm. They just broke their chest, and they calm right down. No, a lot of that's genetic, but there's yeah. also environmental and you know, any trainer and breeder will tell you the same thing. Environment has a lot to do with it as well. Mm-hmm. If you have a dog that's constantly amped 24 hours a day, he's going to stay like that the rest of his life. If you have a dog that you can go out and calm it down and start training and, and getting the understanding that, hey, I need to calm down now after I do this, then, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Your FCI is really just... And when she said night and day, that, that that's what she was talking about, the FCI lines. I mean, it, that part's genetic, each and every single last one of them. I mean, they learn the out, they shut down. As soon as they get, they still want to play, but they, they, they can hold their own. They can hold their own patience and, you know I mean, wait for that next bite or, you know I mean, whatever uh, you're doing. You see it in the pups, too. The pups are different. Um, I can get a little bit more focus out of the FCIs at younger ages. Uh, Focus meaning I can get them to touch or place or to sit before eating. Um, they're they're just more focused. I don't know what it is really about them. Well, and that's another thing that that differs us from other breeders as well. You know, we 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 take it on upon ourselves in the puppy stages. Is you know we start desensitizing them to a lot of different environmental changes. You know, grasses and rocks and you know, different elements that they'll have to, you know, yeah, different surfaces, sounds. I mean, and I think that has a lot to do with uh, how the dog in the long run, uh, you know, three, four years down the road, you know what I mean? I think it has a lot to play into, you know, how it develops as a, you know, grown-up dog. 
insurers out, you know, it's already desensitized as a puppy, you're not going to have as many issues. Oh, I was going to say, but don't leave out. I had, I just, in fact, lost my KVP female. She's, she literally is the only Dutch that I never, ever had to keep my eye completely on around my kids. Like, even though I trust all these Dutches, I, I never leave them alone with them. They're still working dogs, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, her, no, there, there is still great and wonderful KVP dogs. She had to shut off. She was my best tracker, you know, so just kind of goes with lineages and bloodlines and pairings, yeah. environments. Pairing has a lot to do with it. Yes. But KMVP standards are going to be a little different because they're considered a mix or a Dutch X or Malawi X or whatever else might be in them, even if they're full Dutch. Then there's registries. They have to have like a BRN number. And a BRN number is the same as having a, a AKC paperwork or a registry or pedigree. So they can only, you know, breed to other BRN numbers or unpapered dogs. Their stand, I'm not really sure 100% on all their standards. Uh-huh. I think they only really care about working traits, a lot of police and right. military ABPs, you know. Right. Or the FCI standards, they, they have an actual judge. Like, in order to breed their dogs, which I wish, you know, ours are FCI, but we can't keep them. Like, we can't have puppies to register of FCI here. We can do future stock services through AKC. Right. Uh, but they're only, I mean, we're in America, so we don't have FCI. So mm-hmm. there's their standards. They, they do like confirmation. They'll show the dogs. A few bars are double titled in confirmation. And that's how they, they assure that their genetics are okay to go on and breed. Mm-hmm. That place, they have to um, do some kind of sport. Um, their, their standards are much higher than what we offer here in America. What we look for in our standards of breeding our dogs, you know, I mean, a lot has to do with the temperament and the drives. Um, you know, yes, we want size. There's, there's a lot of people that are looking for that German Shepherd, you know, look, but they want the smaller size. Uh, you know, they're just more, the, compact. more compact dogs, yeah. Where, you know, the Dutch Shepherds are, you know, they're medium, they're medium build dogs and you know, I mean, for instance, you know, what is the height on them? I think it's 20, 21 inches or something like that. To the, our ours will come out, you know, 22, 23, um, you know, weight, weight wise, you know, uh, you're looking about 80 to 90 pounds on your males. Uh, females, you're looking 70 to 80 pounds. And um, some are less. Yep. And again, a lot has to do with environment and also your nutrition, you know, um, you know, for us, as much as we work our dogs, they're going to have to have a higher protein. They're going to have to have a higher fat content. Um, so, you know, a lot has to do with, you know, what you're feeding your dog, how much you're working the dog, what the dog's, you know, active level is. There, there's a lot that goes into that as well. Um, you know, one thing I can say about when they're puppies, I mean, we, we feed them as much fat and protein as they can digest man i mean everything from deer meat all the way up to rabbit chicken i mean just name it if it has a high protein we're going to feed it to them and we found that that has a lot to do with it's very good for the bone structures uh, that's with eating dogs uh, you know starting about puppy you know feed them real high protein good protein at that um, you're going to find the dog's going to be more healthier more structurally sound than uh, a dog that was you know kept on you know dog food for 
this pipeline. Mm -hmm. Do you guys feed 100% raw or do you feed a combo? No, we're a combo. Yeah. 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 In order to feed that much raw, I mean, I'd have, have, to have a full running factory of, you know. And we didn't try anything. It's just, I don't know. I'm not a rabbit breeder. Yeah. <laughs> And that's another thing. I mean, you still have to add, you know, other things to their diet besides raw meat. I yeah, mean, yeah. Aspects of it. And this breed will burn through the calories that I've ever seen in my life. They're the most high-maintenance breed I've ever experienced in my life, meaning they're more meaty diet-wise. Um, when they go to have pups, the mm -hmm. mom, some of the moms can be very, very harsh. They can... They'll lay on them. They'll step on them. They're just rough. They're rough moms. Mm -hmm. Mothers that we've had some but great, but we've, we've had, got some say, great mothers that great really moms. just yeah. nurture and really care for them. Yeah. You know, for instance, people people ask me, you know, like their personalities. You know, and each dog has a different personality, just like humans. Mm -hmm. uh, for instance, Joy, uh, she just had a litter, and um, my wife's dog, uh, she lost during the complications. Uh, pregnancy mm -hmm. and uh, us lost the whole litter and uh we got one left out of it and joy took it upon herself to you know what i mean she knew that you know that the pup was in need and you know she started cleaning it and you know doing everything that the mother does um you know a lot of people will say you know yeah that was just because she was just finishing up nursing and not necessarily because the other dogs didn't want anything to do with it you know uh, i think that's a personality trait that you know that she showed that you know and that lineage that she has is, you know, I mean, but her mother is, is an exceptionally good mother as well. Absolutely so, great, mom. And those are the standards that we look for. You know, yeah. I mean, I can honestly, man, I could care less if it was 22 inches and it, and, it, and it overweighed, you know what I mean, by, you know, three quarters of a pound. I don't care. You know what I mean? If it's a good mother, if it's good around my children, if it's going to be a good working compatible dog, I'm going to breed it. And I'm going to make sure that the dogs come out okay. You know, that is one of the things that we look for is the, because there are certain dogs in the, in the litter that aren't meant to go to a home. That's the facts. Mm -hmm. A lot of people, you know what I mean? And you, you can do your research on it. You know I mean? A lot of people say, oh, these dogs want to go to working homes. And that's for a reason. It's because the lineages that they bought, I mean, they come from working lines. And it's sound advice not to get a working line that, you know what I mean? That's going to do a lot of damage, possibly. Right. Mm-hmm without the right proper training. I mean, and that's with any dog. So our moms, they're, they, they live inside with us. Um, when they have, when they have their litters, we have a well-being, like a well-being room in our house. Now it's a big box. It's in its own area. Um, that way I can keep it monitored with the air conditioner or with heat depending on which season. Anyway, we put a lot into it because we've learned from experience through time breeding these dogs what they what works and what does not work um some moms like i said when i said they are rough like adelaide she was she's the sweetest dog ever she was the one i just lost but man if you turned your back sometimes she'd get so overtired that she would roll and try to lay on one so I've, i had to literally sit with that dog i didn't sleep sometimes till they were three weeks mm -hmm. <laughs> You just got to really keep an eye on them. Great mom, but didn't know she was doing stuff on accident. You know what I mean? Then we had phenomenal moms. So, like, free. She'll sit, she'll put her paw out and let her daughters hold her hand while she's having puppies. <laughs> and, and she'll let you pick them up from day one. 
choice. She gets very protective. It just depends on the mom. So like we can't have no. Everyone knows they can't come over for a while if we have litters mm-hmm. because Most they will. Yeah, the whole, the whole it's like goes. a whole pack thing. They do what they can to make sure that the next pack members survive, just like wolves. Wow. It doesn't mean they're they're all mad running around biting <laughs> everyone, <laughs> but everyone is. Big this loud. Yeah, when someone comes over. Yes, they they're definitely on the defense. Then. Mm-hmm. But we, we, our kids are a part of it when they have the puppies. Um, we socialize them. We pick, pick them up. We handle them. Um, I have to befriend her and all these new dams because they have to trust me to take help take care of the babies. Mm-hmm. I don't even touch them. I have to make sure that my arm's not going to get bit off or my kid's arm, you know, or face. So it's a process. Right now we're still doing that. We're still, you know, bonding with them to ensure that everything goes good. Um, I'm thinking what else. So after they're born and, um, we take weights on them daily. Yeah. I'm going to say we take weights on them. Um, really we do a lot of socializing. The mom does most of the work, honestly. Mm -hmm. I mean, for the next several weeks, then about five, six and seven weeks, five weeks, we start really kind of seeing personalities. Their ears are up, their eyes are open. (laughs) They're eating puppy food. Um, then the next week, when we get to our six week mark, then we start doing the aptitude testing and we do it again on the seventh week. And in between that time, we're working on trying to get them to learn how to crate train so that the, when the new owners get them, it's not a horrible, you know, yeah, or overwhelming. So we start Um, the crate training, we start potty training and they start sitting for the food before they leave our house. We'll start pushing on their paws in between their toes and stuff so they can take them to a vet and get shots or get their nails done. Yeah. So we'll start messing with them like a vet would or doing little things here and there. Um, we'll Socialization have, is a big part of that, uh, that six to seven yes, week turnaround yes. period. We do a lot of human and animal um, socialization. Uh, with our, we got chihuahuas, we've got wolf dogs, we've got, yeah, yeah, <laughs> we've got a lot of different kind of dogs, but um, you know, and, that, and that's a big part with any dog is, you know, I mean, socialization, but especially with the Dutch Shepherds, you really got to do your due diligence in um, getting them properly socialized with people, healthy dogs. Um, I suggest not to go around a dog park. Um, they're kind of taboo in my, in my area. I don't, don't like them. Um, you get a lot of dogs that have bad traits and your dogs learn them as well. Right. So stay away from them. Yeah. personal experiences and you know just everything that, I, that training tells me not to do but so um you know that, that's a big aspect and especially the, the more uh the more distractions you can put around your dog especially dutch shepherd and them still be able to focus and handle handle their business what they're meant to do better off they're going to be mm-hmm. hey about the dutch shepherds is you really got to do your due diligence in that area so when you when you keep a puppy out of a litter, what is your selection process? What are you specifically looking for to to fulfill your program? So um, depending on if we're looking for uh, dogs that have traits in uh, protection work, we'll want a higher drive dog. Um, if we're looking one for more that's used for scent work, um, we want that higher drive, but uh, we want it to be more. Um, nose focused um we'll, we'll watch the trace of it always looking for food with its nose um 
So there, there's things like that um, when it comes to breeding. Uh, and again, like I said, it's so vague because there's times where, you know, we, we need, we, we've got a high drive male and we need to kind of calm it down a little bit. So we'll look for a less, uh, a less drivey female um, to, to pair with that male. Um, we always try to even it out. Yeah. You, you, gotta, you have to do your due diligence on that, especially looking at, at their traits. Yeah, and really knowing the dogs before pairing them, because sometimes it could be like a algebra gone wrong, just because a negative and a negative or a positive and a positive will do the opposite. Sometimes if you add two of the same, it can be worse. It can be a lot, you know, to where that could only go to working homes, period, if you're responsible. Right. And then for us, what we would look for out of a puppy of our own, out of our parents is, me personally, I find I I look for the females to always be less driving, honestly, because I'm always matching these puppies to even if they're going to working homes. There's a lot of police that they trust us for their family dog. Mm-hmm. Take it down a notch and make sure that these dogs are going to be a little bit less <laughs> with the same working capabilities, but safe. So I always try to take it down a notch. So I would look for someone, one of the puppies out of the litter that's not over the top, doesn't have too low of a drive, but has a lot of focus, wants to follow me, wants to engage, those kind of traits. And when you see them that young, you know, for me, that's a sure thing. That's what I would pick. Even if it was from someone else's litter, that's what I'm looking for. And those traits change also as well. There, there's times where, you know, at that yeah. two-year mark, you know I mean, they're not everything that we want in, in the next breeding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There, there are, there, there's those times that that happens as well. Um, you know, we, where we, we picked a dog and we didn't think it was going to be as, as drivey as we wanted it. It turned out to be ever more so. Mm-hmm. I mean, it happened. You know, uh, situations, environments, uh, different things, you know, add to it. We have to do the same process for clients because they don't pick their dogs. We got to pick their dogs. But I tell them, I tell them every time, it was, it'll be brindle like you want. <laughs> they always ask. But we have to pick the dog. We will not give you a dog because it walked up to you. We will not give you a dog because it reminds me of your dog that died. <laughs> we've, heard all, we've heard every story. We have to pick a dog that we know is going to match your activities, what your environment is, and your needs in that dog. So if you're a police and you need a working canine, then that's what we're looking for in those drives. If you want a personal home defense dog, a protection dog, then we're going to look for those traits. If you're looking for service dogs, because we do produce them, uh, we've been very blessed to produce several, actually. We're looking for those traits. You know, there's just so many different traits. There's narcotic dogs. We're looking for those traits. So we're constantly looking at dogs and traits. People need to do their research. I mean, it, it took us four years before we decided that we were going to go with the lineage that we did. Mm-hmm. And we looked at a lot of different lineages. Yeah, but talked to a lot of people. A lot of breeders. Mm-hmm. You know? But the people in Romania that we meet, I mean, they're, 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 they're part of SWAT. So, I mean, it's coming from working lines. They've got a son. They, they rear them just like we do. I mean like us they have a few litters a year they raise them around there i mean he's little he's like four or five now their son and he can handle the dogs you know um they have dogs our dogs grandpa he can jump out of a helicopter one day and the next day he's laying with that baby you know? 
So and helping, and helping that, that helped us children. choose lineages with going overseas and yep. of course the badge helps trusting them because <laughs> it was scary to trust that much money going over i mean i've never imported anything to help dogs right it, it was, it's a crazy process there's several steps like i didn't know you had to have a broker and that you had to get clearance and then they have all these shots that have to be done and, and then like we had orc um outlaw's brother he, he was almost too big to fly in. They almost didn't let him come. Yeah, wow. special. Yeah, and they built a special crate for outlaw. I mean, they're big duchess. <laughs> they're they're all there. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing: they work their dogs more. Right. So they, you know, we're here. Our standards end up. Let's face it: a lot of them are couch potato pets. Yeah. And that's. The this particular breed they can't be they have to have a job can you talk about the the difference in personality between the males and the females your males um you get a lot of cockiness uh when you're nut shepherds they're really cocky confident yeah yeah confident more more cocky (laughs) yes yes oh but every now and again like with, with my dog he's he's very high strung um and then you get to females where, you know, I mean, there, there's some that will be, you know, happy go lucky, but they'll still have that side of them, you know, Hey, I'm getting ready to breed right now. You can't breed. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh, uh, there is that jealousy streak in, in dogs. Um, you know, me, me and my wife kind of have a ongoing funny argument about, she thinks that dogs do stuff out of, out of spite. I think it's just, you know, Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know you, you get some dogs personalities that you know really shine like uh joy you know with her uh whenever it's time for her to get ready to go into her cycle she will actually come up and she's like so much more affectionate you know being where our other with her mother she kind of just kind of standoffish but until that time it's ready to breed and then that's when they'll kick in and she's just lovey-dovey mm-hmm. right and then again, you know, I mean, a lot of people will say, well, that's just, you know, her animal behavior of the heat cycle kicking in. And I think it's personality. I guess start with the blood tracking. What what, what does the Dutch Shepherd bring to the table for that? And <laughs> well, that and a brain behind it. Um, you know, with a lot of dogs, it's uh, genetically um, bred, into bred into them that they just track, 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 track. Mm-hmm. One with the Dutch Shepherd and especially the dog that we just lost, Jennifer's dog. Every time, every time we second guess that dog, she proved us wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a thought process behind the nose. Um, that's one thing I can say when it comes to tracking that you will actually, I mean, you will see it literally. I mean, you'll see the dog thinking. Uh, Stop, reroute. Mm-hmm. And rethink. There's times, see, and the and the difference is they can air scent and they can blood trail. I've seen them go back and forth. Where a lot of uh, you know, one of the rules of blood tracking is you keep your the ground. And I watched it. They don't. Dutch shepherds just don't. They do. Both. They do on blood trailing. But if they if they lose that scent, even for a moment, they'll they'll switch and they'll start air scenting. They'll figure it out. And something even our pit bull, who was a tracking machine, that dog was bred to track. Yep. He found every deer. So <laughs> that's something I can say about the Dutch. They they can reroute and they can uh, switch back and forth. almost like being amadutrious kind of. Mm-hmm. It's it's amazing. 
you can work these dogs, man, all day long. They want to work for you. That's all they want to do is play with you, man. Mm-hmm. Here's the deal with law enforcement. that They're on a budget, okay? And their budget only says that they can do so much. So with our state, Kentucky is a poor state. They don't have a lot of um, – there's been a lot of budget cuts. Mm-hmm. So the majority that we're seeing is the police officers paying out of their own pocket, man. Um, you know, I, this whole thing with defund the police and everything, I don't want to get into politics on your show or anything like that, but it does need to be said. I mean – they need these dogs. They need these dogs. And they need to buy, they need to buy sane, dogs. stable dogs. I know everyone's seen the videos where the dogs won't out. <laughs> and the dogs, they cannot off. get them off. Well, that, that shouldn't be happening. They shouldn't have to downgrade and buy dogs that they don't know where they're coming from. Because I know police here in this state are buying them even out of, yeah, out of the country. And they ended up with something that they didn't want. That's not what they, they paid for. It's a PR nightmare for them. Yeah. So for us, I mean, it's hard because, I mean, for us, we're always trying to we'll always help our law enforcement military. and our military. But we're always discounting them. You know, we've donated dogs to them. And not, not We've never asked... It was for God. It wasn't just for them. Mm-hmm. But we want to make sure that they had something safe, you know, because we knew what they were looking at otherwise. Have you seen some inconsistencies there where maybe some of the handlers are not getting the proper training because of budgets? Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. big time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so here's the deal, and a lot of people don't understand the difference between a handler and a trainer. A lot, a lot of the handlers, they're having to take it upon themselves to train the dogs. Um, and of course, you know, I mean, if, you know, they, they go through, you know, right resources and everything like that, they can produce a phenomenal dog. But you talk about countless hours that they're putting in after work. I mean, and, and that's another thing that these guys aren't getting credit for is how many, dude, I don't know how many hours it takes for me to do one dog uh-huh. to finish out. A, I know. So the guys that are sitting there working, my hats are off to them. You know, if you guys are listening now, my hats are off to you guys, man. Mm-hmm. I mean, just countless hours you guys are putting in just to get your dog trained up and certified. Hats off to y'all, man. But, um, you know, and, you know, with that said, these dogs, man, you put the time in, if you put the work in, you're going to see it. I can't stress it enough. If you put the time in and the work in, you will see it. Mm-hmm. When you don't, that's when you'll see the bad things happen. And I think that the bad things on that note, the handlers, they're being forced to be trainers, <laughs> and they're not. There's a big difference between a trainer and a handler or knowing how to handle the dog that was trained, right? Mm-hmm. Now they're having to be both, like he said, because of budget cuts and because of people suing. So many people are suing right now, the police departments, and saying that they shouldn't have dogs. But they're trying to take the dog out. They absolutely cannot do that. They cannot do that. So it's a vital tool. Yes, they're a tool that is so necessary. So necessary. I mean, otherwise, what is our option? Just shooting them from now on? You know, that they have, have the dog. The dog can handle the situation. The dog can stop the situation. A bark, a bark and hold, a simple bark and hold can do all kinds of things. Yep. It can put some <laughs> people in line, that's for sure. So, um, with your dual purposes, okay, um, it has it has more than just one purpose, um, meaning. So, the majority of your dogs, they're going to be suspect apprehension dogs. Guys, bad guys running, takes off running out of the car, they send their dog and or, you know, stand off, hold them a hostage, dog, they'll send in the dog, the dog will bite, right? Mm-hmm. So, the 
the dual purpose and just the service dog aspect of it, or excuse me, not the service dog, but the working service of, of the police officer, you have a dog that can do suit detection, it can find people, and it can also do suspect apprehension. So a lot of times, uh, people like uh, with dementia, um, a lot of older folks will get it out of the nursing home and they'll call the police and they'll deploy their dog and they'll do a search. Um, and so, so it's an article search, okay? And so they're trying to find pieces of article wherever the guy went missing. Um, so that's the dual purpose. And, and what's, what goes into their, uh, the selection process with them compared? Um, and again, you're, you're trying to find that ultimate combination of, you know, um, high drive versus capability of calm down. Um, especially you need your dog from the standpoint of the dog going from a track to a bite. That's the reason why, um, IPO and stuff like that is, it's so well known is, you know, because they, they do, they put a lot into their tracking, um, and hats off to them. Cause they, I know, I know how much work they put into it and, you know, um, when the dog comes off of the track to a bite, you know what I mean? It, it's honestly, it happens so fast. I mean, it's instantaneously. I mean, the dog goes from straight prey to bite. Mm-hmm. I mean, in seconds. So, I mean, and he, he's sitting there praying up, looking for the, looking for the object, looking for the object. They find the object and they bite it. So you need a good dog that has good brain on his shoulders to, you know what I mean, be able to adjust accordingly. And also, a lot of times, you know, they'll be going through neighborhoods trying to find a bad guy and they'll run across people, kids playing in the yard, things like that. So, you know, it tells me that it's got to be aware of the surroundings. It's got to be, you know what I mean, not just fully directed on, you know what I mean, on a, on a bite or, you know, a suspect, right? Mm-hmm. Got to take all of those into, account, into accountability and, you know, adjust accordingly um that that's kind of a loaded question uh you know there's a lot of clients that are looking you know i mean that's a single family home um you know he's a business guy you know i mean he wants his you know anytime that he goes out he wants to be protected right then you got the family protection dog where he just wants to protect around the house and you got high executives that you know they've got you know millions of dollars worth of diamonds in a briefcase and they want it protected so that's why I said it's a loaded question. There's right. so many different ways that you look at all these different aspects of each environment. 